Hi, I'm Jill Schlesinger, host of the Better Off Podcast. Today on the show, it's Jeff Fager, the executive producer of 60 Minutes. That financial crisis, we treated it like the wars. I'll remember that fall of 2008 uh, on credit default swaps. As we unraveled it and learned about it ourselves, how crazy it was, how much money was riding on these sort of risky insurance policies and that nobody could understand. Welcome to the Better Off Podcast. We're sponsored by Betterment, the largest independent online financial advisor. Okay, it is big time holiday season and uh, it's time to kind of kick back and talk a little bit about something fun. We have a great guest today. Uh, His name is Jeff Fager. He is the executive producer of 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes has won 138 Emmy Awards and 20 Peabody Awards in its five decades on television. Uh, And it shattered uh, all the ratings, records, and all of that. Jeff Fager, who is now in his 14th year as executive producer of 60, uh, is out with a new book. It's called 50 Years of 60 Minutes, the inside story of television's most influential news broadcast. And uh, he was able to swing by the studio to talk to us a little bit about it. So here is our interview with Jeff Fager. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. Welcome to Better Off, Jeff Fager, the executive producer of 60 Minutes, the former chairman of CBS News, the author of 50 Years of 60 Minutes, the inside story of television's most influential news broadcast. Jeff Fager, this is the Better Off show. It's a personal finance, financial business show. What is the best financial decision you have ever made? The best financial decision I've ever made. Running. Personally. Oh, personally. I see. Um, the best financial decision I suppose I ever made was to pour everything I had into CBS stock at the at the biggest dip in the entire recession of 2008. Was that when the stock went to three? It went to three and I got it at seven. Okay, because you know what was wild about that? That moment was amazing because it was happening... And I remember calling somebody up and saying, isn't BlackRock, isn't the real estate of this company worth more than three bucks a share? Absolutely. Right? It was like that moment. And yeah. So it was at seven. I actually do spend some time looking at the markets. I'm, I'm a little crazy about it. And I follow companies. And the other thing I did that was beneficial was buying Apple early on. And I kept buying more of it. Um, now the gain is almost, you know, foreboding in terms of what can I do with it, uh, you know, now because it's going to get taxed. But oh, the, poor you! Yeah, no, it's terrible. <laughs> but getting in on on a, on a deal like that, a stock in the early going, is an exciting thing. And I and the CBS part. Look, I knew about CBS. I knew we were a strong company. I knew we had great leadership with Les Moonves and just such an amazing place. Seven dollars a share. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Fifty years, not all under your helm. No, I've been in charge for, this is my 14th season. Don Hewitt started the program, and I took over for him. So there's two of us running it. What is the success of 60 Minutes? What What is, the, you know, I, what's the secret sauce? You know, there are a lot of things, and it took me about 400 pages to go through it. But, you know, in a nutshell, I think we have stuck to our values and our standards. We really have not compromised anything, and the viewer sees that. You know, and our our style and our approach uh, to to journalism hasn't changed over all those years. There have been some different evolutions in the broadcast uh, and some things that were tried in the early days and abandoned. Like what? Uh, Well, like ambushing people a lot. 
I loved that part of it. I remember being a kid and watching that, and my father would be like, oh, here he goes. There's the bad guy. There he comes. Mike's going to get the bad guy. And, you know, it became too much drama and about the drama, not about the story. And and I think now we are a newsier broadcast. It's something I came from news, and I, I wanted it to be newsier. So those, I think, things have changed over the years. But, again, we have not changed our, our uh, values at all. Talk to me about what's the difference in your management style between you and Hewitt? You know, I think there are a lot of similarities, actually. I, I care a lot about spirit. I really do. And I don't know. I, I'm a happy person. I, I, I like the place to be a happy but challenging place to work. And it's hard enough to get through and you know, our process and do a 60-minute story. That's a lot of pressure. So I like it to be a, a nice atmosphere, a nice working atmosphere, because it's a challenging place to work. Can you, I mean, a lot of people listening to this, they know 60 Minutes, they love it, uh, they're, they're hearing your stories all the time. Walk us through what it means to bring a 60 minute story to air. So let me give you an example. I went back and I watched the Croft interview about the sale of your personal financial information. And it was sort of like an early Equifax story. It was like a real harbinger of things to come. How long does it take to make a story like that come alive? And who pitches it? And give us a little bit of the inside deal there. Well, that's a good example because I think one of the things we're proudest of is that we defy conventional wisdom in television news. Most TV people would not touch a story like that. It's hard to tell. Visually, there's nothing. What are you going to show? And, you know, all of the... And Steve Croft is particularly good with stories like that that involve detail and require excellent storytelling. The process in a story like that... Look, the average sort of gestation of a 60-minute story is about three months. But we'll spend a couple of years on, on a story if it's important enough. And that is not unusual, that a producer or a correspondent will have a story that's kind of percolating on a back burner that's gathering string and eventually makes it to the screening room. But uh, the process from idea to actual airtime can be many months. And I, I do think that the care that goes into it over that period of time is part of why it feels like a 60-minute story actually belongs there. Mm-hmm. You watch it and you think, that fits that broadcast. And I think that is in large part due to the quality of people and the care that we give to every story, to every line, to every interview uh, from beginning to end. Can you talk a little bit about telling some of these financial stories that are complicated, especially during the financial crisis, which, you know, look, it was such a scary time. I had just joined CBS at that moment, yeah. right, in 2009, and you were starting to tell these stories about what was going on. How do you decide who's going to manage that? You say Steve's a good, Steve tells that story well, yeah. or he can dive into it. Then how are you unraveling that story? Do you well, need a character always? You don't. I think that it helps. Uh, but I. But more important is importance. We we really like to get on something that matters and work it hard and help people better understand these big stories. You know, that financial crisis, we treated it like the wars. Uh, we started reporting it and we didn't let up. And I, I'll remember that fall of 2008 series of stories that Steve actually did with producer Frank Devine, and we all worked on it, uh, on credit default swaps. Well, again, that defies conventional wisdom. That's not going to work on TV. Uh, But 
it was amazing as as we unraveled it and learned about it ourselves how crazy it was, how much money was riding on these sort of risky insurance policies and incredibly risky bundles of, you know, uh, that nobody could understand, even the people who invested. So that, strangely enough, uh, became one of the highest rated programs of that fall. And I think that, to me, it proves something that we do every single Sunday. Sunday we show uh, and prove that there's a hunger in America for real reporting about important stories that you want to know more about and, and, and help people understand them. How do you make a decision about, like, a CEO to interview? So Michael Bloomberg, that's sort of an easy one, right? But the, but the guy is the CEO of Chobani. Mm-hmm. Why him versus some other, like, I could give you, you know, 300 CEOs. What makes a CEO interesting for a 60 Minutes audience? Well, so those are, those are two good examples. Uh, Hamdi uh, Lukaya is an amazing CEO who is an immigrant. I mean, I think a story of a billionaire immigrant American is so unusual. Usually it's the first generation American and the immigrant is driving a cab and trying to get his kids through college. I think that's in many ways the American story that's that's typical. Not only was he incredibly successful with his with his entrepreneurial efforts in creating the yogurt uh, but at the time, which was around the time uh, of the last election and, and President Trump had just been elected, he was a symbol of helping immigrants get jobs. There was a lot at work there. Bloomberg is another good example because it wasn't easy to get him. Uh, he doesn't like television. He doesn't watch television. He doesn't watch 60 Minutes. What? Yeah, he's proud. That's ridiculous. He's, he's one prou- of the six people who doesn't watch it. <laughs> he was proud of it, but so getting him to to do an interview was uh, was an interesting process. But again, this is someone who had a huge impact on America, on this big city of New York, and has had a huge impact on media and business. So, a fascinating individual, and you know. But we're very careful who we choose, and believe me, a lot of CEOs do not want to come on sixty minutes. This is Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. We'll get back to our interview with Jeff Fager in just a minute. But as we close out the year, you may be thinking about being charitable. That's wonderful. We love charitable giving. But what you may not realize is that our sponsor, Betterment, now lets customers donate shares directly from their accounts to charities that are on their platform. It's an easy and tax-efficient way to do your year-end charitable giving. Betterment has worked to offer some of the largest, most highly rated charities covering most major causes. Just go to Betterment.com for more information. And now, back to our interview with Jeff Fager. Who would be, right now, operational list, top three CEOs or business movers and shakers that you would love to get on 60? Well, uh, you know, we've talked about uh, some, Mary Barra is one of them, by the way, that we're talking about. I don't want to talk about too much of this. No, no, no. Do something that's not even in the hopper. We're in discussion, but she's an example. And I think one of the reasons she's a good example is that the automobile industry is changing rapidly. And Elon Musk has been a big part of that and self-driving cars are coming. And so I, I think that that kind of a CEO is important. And interesting, and you know, as they say, where GM goes, uh, America goes. I think I'm not sure that exists anymore. I hope not. I'm just a little bit concerned about that. A self-driving economy in general, but okay. Um, 
you know, we've uh, just finished a story about Palantir, and I think Palantir is an incredibly interesting Silicon Valley company that uh, is really at the forefront of, uh, you know, helping government agencies with what they've created uh, and in terms of security and chasing down uh even in, in war zones, uh, conflict zones for the U.S. government and for the CIA, it's a big spy program that they've created in many ways. That's fascinating. The important thing about 60 Minutes is that the way we tell stories goes back to the origins of CBS News. You know, this is what Fred Friendly preached, and he was one of our founding fathers, and Ed, Ed Murrow. I mean, they started this organization during World War II on their own, uh, mostly Murrow, and so much of what he and Friendly uh, preached, we practice. And a lot of it is about keeping your story narrow. We, uh, we don't like to take on issues. We like to take on a section of a story and dig down deeper. And I think that that is a big important lesson in terms of what I write about in the book. The level of reporting that goes into that deep dig is, is really important. If you're on a daily broadcast, those same, the same rules really apply. I think the best 60 Minutes reporters and producers come from hard news because you have to figure out how are you going to tell that story without just scratching the surface and adding some value for the viewer to help them better or the listener to help them better understand uh, the story you're covering. And I think the, the most important rule in that is to keep it narrow. And the other thing that we talk about a lot is never talk down to the audience. You know, so many times it gets dumbed down and, and Americans are smarter than that, you know, and they don't want to be talked down to. At the same time, we appreciate that we know more about the story than they do, much more on it most of the time. And so, look, we try to keep our writing spare. We try to keep it unnecessary adjectives and adverbs out of it. A lot of it has to do with that discipline. Those are things that go all the way back to the origins of CBS News. Where do you want to take 60 in the next, let's not say 50 years, because, you know, like, who wants to work 50 more years, no, for God's God, sakes? I don't want to die at my desk. As Steve Croft said, I want at least to take a month off after. Oh, yeah, <laughs> at, the, at the very least. So where do you want it? What, what do you, how do you see 60 evolving in an era where everyone, I mean, every media analyst is talking about the death of TV. Like someone literally said to me, Jill, you're like the greatest contraindicator. You're in financial services. It tanks. You go into like big broadcast media. <laughs> it's tanking. Like just tell me wherever you're going next and I'll short it. So how do you see 60 Minutes existing in a in a contracting industry where there's a ton of competition? Yeah, well, I, I just think we are so well positioned. And, and a big part of that is that a 60 Minutes story is perfect for your mobile device. It really is. It's it, Think about it. In, in some ways, it, what Don Hewitt created was brilliant because it's a 14-minute section. And he believed that's about the attention span of most people. The TED Talk is 17 minutes. So it, it really does play well. I, I'm not sure what the platform is going to be for CBS and for 60 Minutes, but I do think that there's always going to be a hunger for quality. And I'm incredibly confident about the future. I'm, I do not worry about that. I worry a little bit more about 60 minutes getting in the wrong hands and it getting cheapened. You know? Oh, that's and interesting. That can happen quickly because yep. if we all of a sudden are under pressure to pander to a particular demographic, we're in trouble. We don't pander. We want our stories to appeal to every age group all of the time. And that's a trend in news that's been happening for a couple of decades where... 
you know, people look at ratings by the minute and determine we should stay away from stories like that because the viewers don't want them. That's not our philosophy. Our philosophy is we decide what to cover and we make it interesting. And it's one of my favorite comments on a Monday morning is I didn't think I was going to like that story and you sucked me right in. So I have a question about that. So if you look back just in the, let's say, 2017, here we are, we're almost done with the year. What's the story that caught fire with the public more so than you had anticipated? What were you shocked? Like, wow, we aired that story. I can't believe that like people really, that went viral. What was that? I don't think I was sh- shocked but um, by the response, but the opioid uh, investigation that we did was maybe bigger than we anticipated. And I think that, look, the reason we've been on that story, the opioid crisis story uh, in America in terms of just so many deaths and, and horrible addictions is because it's so important. And we started down the path with the Washington Post working on this story about the DEA uh, gradually being hobbled and then almost put out of business uh, by uh, an act of Congress in terms of what they could do to crack down on illicit sales and bad doctors writing prescriptions. And that went crazy. I mean, that uh, was picked up and had legs, as we say in journalism, for just kept walking down that week and the next week. And and so, and I think it speaks to how concerned Americans are about important things. Mm. Most people want to know. They want to know these things. And I think a primary responsibility of a news organization is to report what someone doesn't want reported. And we couldn't get anybody to go on camera and talk to us about that issue and that bill that was rammed through Congress with very little attention uh, and all the, of the revolving door from the DEA to the industry. Okay. Now, to close it out, what's the worst financial decision you've ever made? Um, wow. The worst financial decision I've ever made. Gosh, I, I'm not sure I have such a thing. I guess the I bought a home in the height of uh, 1989. Seemed like a bad time at that time. It was a bad time. And look, it didn't go down, but it was flat for six years. Uh, I think that was probably the worst decision I ever made. A scary decision I made, we bought a home when we lived in London. And that, that worked out okay. But that was so risky, which I didn't realize at the time because of the currency fluctuations. It could have gotten me in big trouble. Jeff Fager, the executive producer of 60 Minutes, the former chairman of CBS News, the author of 50 Years of 60 Minutes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jill. Thanks so much to Jeff Fager. It was great to interview him. If you want to check out the book, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Don't forget, we've got our bonus episode that comes out on Tuesdays and the longer form every single Thursday. You can subscribe via iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Jill on Money. That's at Jill on Money. Just use the hashtag BetterOff. You can also reach me via email. Ask Jill at BetterOffPodcast.com. That's Ask Jill at BetterOffPodcast.com. And if you wouldn't mind, please leave us a review or a rating in iTunes. It really will help us out. BetterOff is sponsored by Betterment. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Delercio produces. I'm Jill Schlesinger. See you next week.